All right, time to get our daily political update from Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on with this Ferry Creek logging situation, because, boy, we did have some advancement yesterday. We sure did. Uh, Not long after we were talking uh, yesterday morning uh, in our regular spot, we... you could almost open the window over here in the capital and hear the size of relief wafting <laughs> through the provincial government. So they've they've had this standoff over old growth logging in Ferry Creek, which is in the premier's riding. So from a politician's point of view, like the last thing you want is something like this polarizing in your backyard. Uh, the statement came out though yesterday from the three First Nations in that area saying. They, well, it's interesting, they asked for, but basically they announced, those three First Nations, that there's going to be a deferral for two years on old-growth logging in and around Ferry Creek. So that was the immediate spark for the standoff over there, the protesters wanting to protect old-growth logging. Um, The three First Nations uh, said, uh, we're going to do a moratorium for two years, and uh, the provincial government, uh, Premier John Horgan, falling all over themselves to say, oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, we've got your <laughs> yeah. letter. Yeah, we'll respond as quickly as we can. But basically, there will be a deferral there for two years. So the immediate uh, subject of the showdown has been dealt with. Okay. Does that mean an end to the protests? No, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, I've been covering environmental protests in this province for a long time, and it's pretty standard fare that whatever uh, the response is, uh, it's not good enough, we want more. And almost immediately, the uh, protesters, uh, spokespeople out there said, well, actually, we would like protection of all the forests in and around here. And the Greens got up in the legislature and said, well, what about deferring old-growth logging all over British Columbia? So... Uh, the immediate flashpoint is over. The long-term issue remains over both logging and especially old-growth logging. But, you know, the, the forest minister, uh, Katrina Conroy, said this is a historic moment yesterday. Politicians overuse that sometimes, but it is historic. It's not just old-growth logging, Simi, that's being deferred. It's the provincial government's unilateral control of the timber harvest that's being deferred. From now on, it's partnership with First Nations. It's their territory. It's their land. It's their trees. It's their resources. That's the provincial position. And so in future, harvesting decisions are going to be made in partnership. You've got the First Nation here saying we want two years to develop a long-term sustainable forestry plan. We're going to work with the forest companies. We're going to work with the government. But we're going to decide, and whether we like it or not, including whether or not environmentalists like it or not, that's the way of the future. Right, so that's just the way it's going to go. Um, I understand as well, like when you talk compensation, that's, that's a lot of money. It is, and you know, one of the things that the province said last week when they announced their 20 intentions for the future of forest policy in B.C., One of the things that the NDP government said was they're going to transfer control of a lot more timber, of a lot more cutting rights to First Nations. Well, because the entire forest is committed to one degree or another, including to tree farm licenses, that means in the long run that either the 
holders of the cutting rights, forest companies, are going to have to agree to the transfer or work with First Nations, or they're going to have to be compensated. And the government said they will be compensated at market rates. So we've had some indication from one of the people who did that expert independent review of old growth last year that full compensation immediately would be in the hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe the billions of dollars, to compensate the current holders of the cutting rights for the transfer. And the government said in the long run, there will be compensation at market rates if we can't negotiate it. So to immediately do it overnight, to immediately do it this year, uh, I think the price tag would be too high. But we did have Simi as well, a forest minister, Conroy, say yesterday, there are more deferrals coming. If it's just a deferral, the government is not on the hook to compensate immediately. If it's a permanent moratorium, there would have to be compensation right. or some kind of a trade-off with First Nation and the forest companies. So we don't know where all that will end up. Okay. We also want to talk about ambulance wait times here because once again, and rightly so, and you can tell, right, that we're getting the pandemic is slowly ending here because that was the topic with the health minister getting questions not COVID-19 related. Yeah, the first four questions in question period yesterday really uh, sprang from uh, Global TV's coverage of uh, horror stories of people having to wait for ambulances. And so what about it? What are you going to do about it to the health minister? It's interesting. You know, the first thing he said was, you all, you have to recognize that we are having a record number of ambulance calls. And apparently uh, Monday of this week was, or maybe I guess it was Monday of last week now, is a record uh, exceeded only by kind of New Year's Eve uh, for ambulance calls. So that's one reason. Uh, the other thing he said has become a pretty standard line for this government. It was a standard line for the previous government, which is, yeah, well, we're doing better than the previous government. You know, the liberals, uh, they, they they didn't do very well on ambulance services. The New Democrats say they've increased funding 25 percent, hired uh, more paramedics. And so they're doing better than the previous bunch. Well, uh, that's an okay response yeah, but... in question period, <laughs> right? I don't know how long the public patience is there. I think, you know, people go, yeah, yeah, well, you promised to do better, so <laughs> you need to do more, and I think probably they're going to have to do more. These these horror stories are starting to pile up. Yeah, I don't think there's any patience at all with this. And, and to say that, oh, it was one of our busiest days ever, my next question would be, well, Why? What's yeah. what's what are all the calls for? What's going on? Like yeah, I mean, uh, again, uh, there's been some interesting coverage on this on, on uh, the News Hour on Global about it, uh, and uh, one of the things that's come through is there is, you know, the overdose crisis is is spilling over into all other healthcare in the province. I mean, we do have two public health emergencies in the province and there's a lot of calls that are that are overdoses um, there is a strong suggestion out there that we need new protocols for dispatching ambulances yes. so that a senior who falls and breaks her hip on a skytrain platform uh, maybe that's prioritized prioritized in a different way and i know the ambulance uh, the paramedics union is is talking about this issue too, about staffing and compensation. But, 
Yeah, I don't think Adrian Dick's going to be able to get away with these excuses for very long. I, some of these stories are They're people horrible. waiting eight, nine hours. Yeah. The other thing, too, and, and, and Jordan Armstrong, who I, I will credit again because he's done the stories, and yes, he's my son-in-law, so okay, there you go. Uh, but, <laughs> get that out of the way. Yes. One of the things he's reported is that because fire and police, when they respond to one of these calls, have to stay there until the ambulance arrives, this is starting to run up significant overtime bills for police and fire services. So it's spilling over into other costs, not just for the healthcare system, but for police and ambulance and fire services as well. So, yeah, I would say there's more to come on this one. You know, yeah, there's... I, I do. And I think your other comment, Simi, is something we're all noticing is that we're starting as the pandemic fades yes. as a news story, a dominant one. We're starting to drift back into politics as usual mm-hmm. and other issues. I mean, this one overlaps, of course, because it's a healthcare system. But, you know, I think more and more we'll say, well, you know, uh, politics as usual is returning and and that includes governments saying hey well we're doing better than the other guys anyway right (laughs) and you know politics have returned when you start hearing that in the bc legislature uh vaughn thank you bye-bye vaughn palmer from the vancouver sun so true especially about these ambulance wait times there is no patience in the public uh to have this so to say that oh we've increased funding 25 percent, well that's all well and good but then why are people still waiting any long wait like that is unacceptable so what do they need to fix? You can email me on that, simi at cknw.com. Coming up next, so we have to tell you about this story that is making headlines all over the world today. It is the breaking up of, it's a massive international sting uh, involving organized crime. But the way they caught these organized crime people is unreal. It's like something right out of a movie. We're going to tell you all about it next.